when you look at a silver market right now that you know is, is rehypothecated to the way that it is where you know registered silver open interest is 1642% of the registered silver in other words almost basically one out of 17 contract holders would get fulfilled and the rest would be cash settled Well, hello there, my friends. Chris Marcus here with you for Arcadia Economics. And today we will be digging back into some of the activity on the retail level of the physical silver market. And we'll certainly be touching on gold as well, where see gold price still uh, hovering above $2,000 and has been above that level for a couple months now. Silver is still a bit lower in its own range, but We'll dig into all those things and perhaps some thoughts on what to expect as we progress throughout 2024, which now uh, almost a, a month done. So we're, we're getting into it. And I don't know if we're excited, looking forward to some of the things that are going to happen with the Fed in March, but certainly that will have quite an impact on setting the tone for the rest of the year. So we'll discuss all of that today with Andy Sheckman of Miles Franklin, who joins me as usual on Tuesdays. Um, unfortunately, he was traveling last week, so we missed him, but he is back here today. And Andy, it's good to see you again. And how are you doing this morning? Always good to see you too, my brother. I'm well, thank you. It's a crazy world we find ourselves living in every single day, but uh, we're keeping up. So uh, good to be back. Thanks for having me. Well, first thing I'd like to dig into is just getting an idea of what you've been seeing so far in 2024. I've been hearing reports of some bullion dealers seeing a lot of customers sell, especially on the silver side. And obviously premiums have remained on the lower side in a bit of a quiet period for silver. Obviously both metals starting out a little bit lower to start the year, but uh, I think people are interested to know what the customer order flow has been like and what people are actually doing with their gold and silver right now. Yeah, I, I haven't seen much in the way of selling, but, but I, I will agree that that the sentiment itself has been soft. Uh, it's It's eerie almost in the respect that I think you could argue from just about every metric, politically, geopolitically, socially, morally, economically, the world is a da more dangerous place than it has ever been. When we look at the amount of, of gold and silver being drained out of the exchanges, and, the, and even the Shanghai exchange, the, the COMEX, uh, the, the LBMA, and, and the ETFs, it's unusual to see such muted activity in the retail market. Now, it, it's still, it's not like someone shut off the power as we've seen before to the industry. But it is quiet. It's eerily quiet, almost as if we're in the eye of the hurricane. That the last few years were was the trail or the front edge of the storm that 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 whacked us in many ways, and now it's quiet. You know, talk of a soft landing and and uh, and talks of inflation being brought under control, and you know, talks of 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 optimism in the economy, and and all of this stuff. I think is just jawboning and gaslighting, but it's. Got the majority of of the people in this country, I think, uh, maybe have have bought it um, hook, line, and sinker, and as a result, we've seen softness for sure in the metals market. And I don't understand it. I've said this to you for a while. I don't understand 
the low premiums. I don't understand the softer demand. And I'm more concerned about where we are heading. <clears throat> Look, you got you got this BRICS meeting in October where 30 countries have formally applied, another 20 have informally applied. There's 200 meetings leading up to it. We have the election in November. We have <clears throat> war uh, or, or escalating tensions, which could lead to a much greater war in the Middle East. Um, there are a million reasons why I would think people would be looking to alternatives. We have a banking system that is very fragile. Uh, we, we have all sorts of, of things that around us, the border, the, the lawlessness in the cities, all of these things that should be catching people's attention and for whatever reason, they're asleep at the switch. But this is why so few people ever succeed in investing because they follow the herd. And when things are cheap and when they're on sale, people don't get it. Now, I will, I will um, agree or or give in to the fact that metals have been on sale for far too long, and the counterintuitive nature of it is is such that it it can either go unnoticed by the mainstream, be ignored by the mainstream, or brushed off as being something that is no longer effective by the mainstream. Yet we continue to see the most well-funded and well-informed traders on the globe. The central banks accumulate copious amounts of both gold and silver. And I think they are front-running using price suppression to position themselves. And at the same time, the public here is asleep. And when you look at a silver market right now that, you know, is rehypothecated to the way that it is where you know, registered silver open interest is 1,642% of the registered silver. In other words, almost basically one out of 17 contract holders would get fulfilled and the rest would be cash settled. You start to understand how they are able to create this perception or this illusion of reality that is keeping so many people asleep. I don't understand it, Chris, but yes, other than seeing massive liquidations, which we haven't seen, it's much more quiet than one would expect in the middle of such, I would say, ongoing uncertainty, ongoing chaos, and um, uh, being led by administration that is leading us down a very dangerous path. So slower than it should be, um, but, uh, but, but the selling part I haven't really seen, as maybe some dealers have, I haven't noticed that. Okay. And in terms of some of the things that you mentioned in there, and I'm going to pull up a chart here in the background of seeing some of this activity reflected in the silver price and what it takes to move. You and I have talked about this before. I've mentioned it on the show once or twice, but uh, perhaps worth revisiting where here we have the silver chart going back uh, even earlier than 1950s. Although Sometimes I look at this and wonder, you know, I've been thinking a lot about has silver been a good inflation hedge? Obviously, if you're marking to the silver price of $50 in 1980 or $49 2011, it would not seem as much. Although I guess it depends on how you look at that, where perhaps in 1980, what we saw with coming out of stagflation from the 70s and we had... I guess you could call it some mix of a trading event plus fears that the system as we knew it might 
really be in jeopardy. Now that came down and again, keep in mind the silver price was only at 50 bucks for about a day, lasted, was very short lived. Similar conditions in 2011 where I've uh, talked with Craig Hemke about this many times and he says that the last $10 was a short squeeze. And again, this was following QE2, which I think rightly had people concerned that, hey, there might be some issues there. So perhaps one way of looking at silver, I mean, if you remove those spikes, it's not, and, and drew a trend line in here, it's not altogether dissimilar from perhaps the gold price chart or the U.S. debt chart. And I've been thinking about that more so where if you go back to the 1960s, I think it was about silver, about $1.30 in 1963, which is about an 18 or 19x return in the time period since then. So if you look at it from that standpoint, keeping up with inflation and maybe we get these spikes when people really do become concerned, which certainly have conditions in place that that could be happening, especially as the identity of who's going to fund a lot of treasury debt that's coming out in the next year, let alone the years after that is coming to a forefront. So long, long uh, explanation there, but do you think that's a reasonable way of looking at what to expect from the silver price and, and put that in perspective where you can say that it is matching inflation over a longer period of time. And then if we do run into an event, perhaps more extreme than what we saw to the banks last year, that we have an idea of what might happen in those types of environments. Yeah. And I, I mean, if you look, obviously 1971 is where it started to move higher. And I think that's a really astute way of looking at it. Things are different in this country right now. And the acceleration of debt and the loss of credibility and trust on the on the world stage have also increased exponentially. These things are are relatively new. You know, in 1980, if I'm not mistaken, we were still a, a creditor nation. And, you know, you see a massive explosion in debt to where we are right now with over 34 trillion in debt. It increased by two trillion in one year from the end of 2022 to the end of 2023. We're a country with almost 200 trillion in unfunded liabilities with a, a half a a trillion dollar in trade deficits and 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 now approaching a trillion dollar in annual interest payments. We're a country that within less than seven years will have to borrow 100% of all um, uh, discretionary spending that is other than, I should say, the mandatory entitlement spending and the interest on the debt. Everything else will need to be borrowed, including military. We're a country that I think has run out of 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 road and you know i think that that you will see a much greater percentage move in these types of assets like silver and gold as we get closer and closer and closer to the end of this this system which you know for a very long time there were no alternatives not even anything close to challenging the dollar uh, for its 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 status as as the ultimate settlement currency, you'll notice I say the word settlement rather than reserve. I think there has been a concerted effort by a lot of the big countries around the world to look at gold very differently than before. Now I know you asked me about silver, but the point I'm making is this: is that 
one of the things that has made the dollar so demanded and so strong is is the liquidity and the safety of the bond market, which, you know, it's not supposed to be more volatile, the 10-year treasury than gold, but indeed it was last year. And so when we talk about the way nations are looking at this country, they are de-dollarizing, they are selling treasuries, and I believe using gold as an alternative to the treasury bond, because, you know, if you go back to the year 2000, S&P is up 7% per year, gold's up 7.8% per year, the bond market, nowhere close to either of those numbers. And when you talk about shifting on a 25-year period, looking at a 7.8% annual return on gold at a period of time where, you know, you could argue it really hasn't been allowed to trade freely, uh, yet it's still managed almost an 8% return without the counterparty liability that the U.S. Treasuries have. And you look at what's happening right now where, you know, the Fed is having a very, very, very difficult time issuing bonds uh, of any maturity, of any length of maturity. And we we keep issuing these short-term uh, notes and bills because I don't think there's any demand for the back end of the bond market. So what that symbolizes to me is that you have countries like China, Japan, Russia, Saudi Arabia, all of these countries that are favoring uh, gold over U.S. Treasury bonds. And when we talk about the dollar, I mean, look, the market goes goes nuts because, oh, Janet says, well, we're not going to need to borrow as much this time as we thought for the first quarter. But, you know, okay, so it's only seven or eight hundred billion instead of a trillion. Yippee. And all of a sudden everyone celebrates. It's like well, I only have to do half a shot of heroin this time or three quarters of a shot, not the full shot. So you know, my doctor will be happy. Yeah, well, I mean, that's exactly what it is. And, and But yet, if you look at what the Fed has done all along or the Bureau of Labor Statistics, we're constantly being lied to. And they'll come back and they'll revise those numbers. I mean, it is an election year. They want to give a little bump to the equity market. But it's like you keep hearing all this stuff about, oh, the labor market is. So we got the labor numbers coming out here uh, in, in the next day or two, which, you know, again, it's all of the metrics by which we are gauging our decisions or the Fed is or the world is. Are, are lies. And look, there's no better way to look at it than look at the unemployment numbers that were quietly revised down for the entire 2023 by 440,000 jobs or 40%. And the Fed bases its, its, its policy upon full employment and upon, you know, stable prices. Well, we know inflation is a lie and the numbers coming out of the Bureau of Labor Statistics are a lie. The point of it is, is that I think the world is tired of our lack of transparency the world is tired of our coercion and our and our suppression and you're beginning to see now talks in both the, the European Union and in that the speaker of the house and the Biden administration to actually confiscate the Russian FX reserves not sanction them and freeze them but to confiscate them and use them to fund the, the Ukrainian the continuation of the Ukrainian war because Congress doesn't want to appropriate any more funds we are crossing a line. And so I guess what I'm really trying to say is that when you look at that chart, Chris, the United States, when you and I were kids, the United States was the envy of the world in every respect. Little boys and girls around the world listened to American music and TV shows and movies and wanted someday to find their way to America. People aspired to have a life uh, of, of freedom and liberty and honesty and justice. And I ask myself every day, is that the world we find ourselves in now? 
And I don't think objectively people can say that. So that graph, which shows arguably, you know, the heyday uh, of this country in terms of its financial prowess and its respect on the on the on the you know world stage is 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 greatly inverted right now. So I think the movements in in gold and in silver, which really are not commodities to me as though they want us to believe, certainly silver might actually be a strategic metal, a strategic commodity needed for so many things, including, and we've talked at length about this over and over and over again. I just can't believe that they don't list military demand inside of the Silver Institute numbers. It's just a farce to me. And, you know, I told you, I, I didn't tell, maybe I didn't tell you this. So well, let me back up a, a moment to, 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 um, to substantiate that statement. So I, I, last week I wasn't here. You're right. I, I was speaking at um, the Vancouver Resource Investment Conference and, and I spoke there last year too, same weekend. And last year when I was there, I, I made a comment in my conversation or my presentation rather that that there's 500 ounces in the tip of a Tomahawk cruise missile. And I've said that for a long time. Let me Google it, and that's what it says, 15 to 16 um, uh, kilos inside of a Tomahawk cruise missile. And at the end of my speech last year, a gentleman comes up to me and says, yeah, I, I, I work for the Department of Defense. And um, what I'm going to tell you is declassified, so don't worry about it. Um, he says, but basically everything you said is correct. I'm not sure about the amount of silver in it, though. Um, and because we were, I said other things about military and, and silver's use of it. Well, he came back this year and he said, I'll be damned. You're right. And, uh, he showed me all sorts of pictures of how they, how they tested the Tomahawk cruise missile, how it was on a, on a, on a kind of like a bed underneath the ocean in, in California, they were just a few hundred yards offshore and, and they simulated by moving as if it were a submarine and how they had to to figure out how to launch it this way instead of this way, because the guidance system couldn't tell where it was, if it was vertical, always knew where up and down was, if it was horizontal. And he says, you're right, there's almost to the button 500 ounces of silver in a Tomahawk cruise missile. He says, this is all declassified, so don't worry about it. Kept saying that and showed me all sorts of pictures. He'd been doing this for 30 years. And he says, he's still a consultant. And I, and I think about the amount of silver used in high-tech weaponry. And look at the wars we continually are either providing munitions to or, or, or continually finding ourselves in. And the amount of silver needed for this high-tech weaponry is off the charts, yet it's not counted in the Silver Institute numbers. And do you think that has anything to do with why you have these Western central banks short, the largest short position, concentrated short position in any commodity traded on COMEX? So there are things bigger than just charts and logic and statistics at play here. And I think we are ending, we are coming to an end of, of an era where the United States had complete and total trust with the rest of the world, um, and we were envied. And these things are, are no longer the case. So when we look at a chart like that and try to gauge where we are going, I would say the probability of seeing things really start to take off in an exponential fashion as countries shed treasuries in favor of gold, which lacks counterparty risk, um, risk of higher inflation, risk of higher interest rates, risk of default, all of that. Don't worry about it with gold and it's in your own possession. In a world where uh, the United States is actually considering um, confiscating Russian forex reserves to use to fight a war, 
there will be no one left in the global or in the southern hemisphere that will ever trust us again with anything. They will never buy our treasuries. They want nothing to do with us if we cross that line. We're getting to that point. And then you look at what's happening inside this country, and it's insane. The lawlessness, the, the lack of respect for authority and 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 the breakdown of the nuclear family, all of these things that I continue to harp on, this is not lost on the rest of the world. And all of these things coming together with the BRICS meeting in, in October and the election in November and, and 12 million people entering this country illegally. And all of these things, these potential where you keep hearing over and over and over and over again that there will be a terror attack. There will be, there will be, there will be. You hear it everywhere. I mean, are we being, are we getting to that point that, that end game moment that Rafi talks about all the time. And so these charts, while they've been very helpful in the past and looking back, you can certainly see things. But I would say to you that silver is the most undervalued and probably most important commodity that on the planet. You know, maybe you can throw uranium as a close second these days as we shift to, to a more efficient and cleaner form of energy. But when you talk about the need for silver, the world understands it. And the big money understands it. And the countries like India and China understand it. Um, and it's it, they're beating us at our own game by draining the exchanges while the West continues to suppress the price. So all I'm simply saying to you is that, yes, silver has done okay as an inflation hedge. And I would argue gold has probably done a little bit better as an inflation hedge. But all of this has been skewed by a country that I think is clinging to, you know, the last um, the last inning or two of of the strength of of the dollar. And as we see the dollar start to lose its demand globally, you will start to see things like silver and gold accentuate dramatically. And you can kind of see that when you look at the way that, in particular, gold has been priced around the globe. Again, I I keep talking about gold because silver has been suppressed to a level that is not normal, not natural. And they're doing it, I believe, to fund and to 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 be part of or to continue to fund all of these wars. And so, look, as, as things unwind, I think you'll see silver catch up for lost time. And uh, I don't think there's an asset on the planet that you can make a stronger argument for. So yes, it's hung in there. It's done okay as, a, as an inflation hedge. But before the the music stops when inflation really is roaring silver will be one of the two or three most um enviable and important positions to be in well yeah and you mentioned the the uranium market which i think about sometimes because there certainly are some similarities to where uranium was and the profile that silver has now and i know it seemed like a couple of years ago when when rick rule was out there saying that either the price is going to go up or we're going to stop using electricity. I think the sentiment in the uranium space was very similar to what we see in silver, maybe a little right. less so on the gold side. And so ho hopefully that comes as a little bit of comfort. Um, and one last thing before we wrap up, just would like to point out that in terms of looking at the COT chart, which in all the time I've been looking at silver, this has been one of the, it's not a perfect indicator, but one of the best guidelines that usually when you see this position here, here are the swap dealing banks getting close to even, they don't generally get very long, but 
You can see about a 5,300 contract uh, move, getting less short, 3,294 more longs. So getting to the flat region, which often uh, at least signals when we've reached a bottom and see some turnaround. And here we can see over the past year, silver trading in about the middle of its range. And again, I guess we'll see in March what happens in March, but certainly some events stacked up there that would indicate that the Fed might have to be getting a bit more active, whether that actually begins in March. Certainly could be interesting to see if they just close out the BTFP facility, how that affects the banks. And we saw back here, here's when we had the banking issues. So silver going from about $20.37 up to 26 in a short period of time. So at least one metric of should we see further banking issues, what what might be a reasonable reaction to expect in the gold and silver markets. And I suppose good time to be thinking about these things now ahead of all of that. And see in a couple months how that all shakes out. And Andy, perhaps in closing for people who are looking for silver at this particular point, anything on special that can give them a, a good deal for a good product uh, if they're looking to add to their stack right now? Yeah, real quick, just to to touch on the point you just mentioned. Yeah, and it's it. you also are seeing the managed money traders go short, and typically we would expect to see the price rise. And the question is, when do we stop the rinse, wash, and repeat? And when do we see the managed money get smart instead of keep getting fleeced by the commercial banks who will now take the other side of that, let the price rise, and squeeze the um, uh, the managed money traders, the question is, as the price rises, do, does, do the commercial banks continue to short a rising market? And, and that's, that's, that's the interesting thing. And you mentioned one other thing about, you know, the, the Fed's going to have to do something. Look, just the other day, two days ago, we borrowed $47 billion alone. Since the, since the, the debt, uh, crisis, the debt ceiling, when they raised the debt ceiling again for like the 87th time, we've added up to $3 trillion. And that's about $10 billion a day since October 1st. These numbers are, are unsustainable. And for the next year plus, the debt ceiling is, is capped. I mean, it's it's not capped, it's uncapped. So, you know, this, this is a situation where monetary and fiscal policy has been thrown out the window. So, yeah, at some point we cross that line. And... You know, the world, I think, has realized that that bonds are not a great investment in this inflationary world. And I think that's why you're starting to see such a change to actually sell treasuries and buy gold. And the ramifications that has as we move closer and closer to the end game, I think, will start to have real profound effects. Uh, as far as and Andy, specials, if, yes. if I could just add one note in there, it is interesting to think that right around time we're getting ready for the election we won't be that far off from the next debt ceiling debate because that's that hold was put in place until the beginning of january 2025 so i don't know for sure if that will be a major topic in the presidential debate but certainly should be you would think and Anyway, just another thing for people to... Yeah, have. I mean, absolutely it should be. And and the fact that it's not is just a joke because at some point the rest of the world grows tired and of of a farce where we really just continue. I think we've raised it 70 or 80 times and 
you know, it's, it's just a joke. So, um, yeah, I think that's it. It better be because we're going to reach that point where the rest of the world no longer wants to hold our debt. And remember, the concept of holding debt as an asset is a very has a very short historical footprint. I think the world is, uh, you know, always looked to the United States with a great amount of trust. And you have to ask yourself, has that trust been broken? And once you violate trust, it's not easy to get it back. And the steps that we are, are taking have done nothing to ingratiate our foreign creditors or the rest of the world. In fact, I think it's done nothing but alienate and make people think twice about the wisdom of, of being long dollars in U.S. Treasuries. So I think all of this factors into the price of gold and silver. And this is one of these deals where, look, I mean, all these people that have hung on this long um, for the right reasons. I think when you get to a point where even even you're asking me, are are you seeing sales? That to me is emblematic of capitulation. And well, that to me is a good contrarian indicator. It's quiet. It's the calm before the storm. The world is a mess, and yet people are asleep. That's all great contrarian indicators to me. Um, and ironically, in the past few weeks, we've done some of the largest orders we've ever done, but the volume is very small. Well, the people that are making very, very large orders, I would argue, are closer to the information than most. They understand where we're going. They run large corporations, large businesses. You're seeing huge amount of insider selling, big, big, big companies. The CFO of Discover Card just sold, I believe, all of his stock. You know, you got, uh, what's his name from Facebook, selling a ton. You got uh, the guy from Amazon, Bezos, selling a ton. Why are all these insiders selling? What do they know is coming? Why are they building bunkers? And so why are the central banks buying more at any time in history? The big money knows what's coming. And the rest of us are being bullshitted by the mainstream and are sleeping. And it's it's eerie scary to me, Chris. Honest to God, I swear to you, I feel like we are right in the middle of the eye of the hurricane and the back end is going to smack us. It is. And I think if you really believe that nothing is going to go down in this country between now and November with the BRICS meeting, there's 200 BRICS meetings between now and October with the big one in October and then the election in November. Do we really think it's going to be smooth sailing till then? And I think people are making a giant mistake by not realizing this. So as far as what we are offering on special this week, let's just talk about the silver side of it. Uh, silver, Valcambi, and Asahi, 100-ounce bars at $1.39 over. I haven't sold them that cheap in a decade, I don't think. I mean, it's been forever. Uh, and these are name brand. Uh, Valcambi is a 75-, 80-year-old refinery in Switzerland, one of the most respected in the world. And Asahi bought Johnson Matthey a decade or so ago, and again, one of the most respected in the world. We also are selling backdate silver maple leaves uh, at $3.75 over the price of silver. I do want to mention the gold for one moment because they're my favorite gold coins that you can buy, and for the first time, they're very cheap. Uh, we have gold $10 liberties in extra fine grade and $20 liberties in extra fine grade. The $10 liberties are $89 over melt, and the $20 liberties are $139 over melt. Remember that the $20 liberty is 0.9675 of an ounce of gold. And if we take 0.9675 and divide it by two, we get 0.48375. So those are the melt values, 0.9675 and 0.48375. 
in essence, an ounce and a half ounce, but 89 over on the 10s and 139 over on the 20s. If you're going to buy gold, to me, there is no better way to buy it. And I haven't recommended them in years because the premiums are too high. You're able to get these on par with a gold bullion coin, an American Eagle. If you're buying gold, this would be my choice. If you're buying silver, the backdate maple leaves are incredibly cheap, but the 100-ounce bars are as cheap as I've seen them since prior to the pandemic. So here again, weird. Everything's on sale. And in a world where we would suspect that shouldn't be the case, good contrarian indicator. I try to be objective, Chris. I'm not trying to sell anyone anything. I, I look at gold and silver as wealth. But I am dumbfounded. I guess it's kind of been a lonely existence all these years looking at all the fun that the mainstream has had selling equities and the, the money managers and stockbrokers and the parties that they've had. And I sit here and look at it all and wonder what the hell am I missing in this picture? And yet, when we take a look back over the last 25 years, gold's outperformed all of it, quietly. The tortoise, not the hare. And uh, I think before it's all said and done, uh, silver will slingshot past them all. But unfortunately, most people will miss this and they don't see what's coming and therefore aren't preparing for it. So uh, I don't think I'm wrong this time. And I think the probability of something significant happening, triggering an event that will wake people up between now and November grows by the day. And if I were the house in Vegas, I I'd be setting the odds at, I don't know, 70-30. So be that as it may, um, this is as good of a value for gold and silver as we've seen uh, in years across the board and uh, in a time where it shouldn't be the case. So I do love coming on this show with you, and I think you do such a great job of, of asking the right questions and seeing things in a way that most people don't. I've always said that about you, and I mean this. I really think it, riding shotgun with you on this, while some weeks there won't be as much to talk about, and other weeks there'll be more to talk about than we care to talk about. But I think as we get closer to the fall, that'll be the case. And, and I look forward to watching it all unfold with you. And I'm grateful for the opportunity. So to you and everyone else out there, stay well. And as the Chinese curse says, may we live in interesting times. These are interesting for sure. And I think they're only going to get more so. Yeah, certainly should be plenty of news this year. So appreciate you joining me to check in as always. And you go have yourself a great week. We'll see what happens in the markets and pick it up again next Tuesday. Sounds good, my man. Thank you. Well, thank you, as always, to Andy for this week's report. And thank you to everyone who is watching at home. I appreciate you being here and some of you tuning in every day. Hope you found that helpful and gives you a few things to think about. Should certainly be a news-packed year between the election, the Fed's interest rate cuts, which whether they come in March or later, even the Fed has now indicated that they will be coming and add in some confiscated wealth from Russia that might be sent to Ukraine and BRICS and a whole bunch of other things and a lot going on, but we will keep you posted. And just in wrapping up, did want to thank First Majestic Silver for bringing us today's video. First Majestic did have their fourth quarter production numbers out recently, as well as their year-end production numbers where they came in with 26.9 million silver equivalent ounces which was in the midpoint of their guidance. One of the highlights was record production up at Santa Elena, which was higher by 13% quarter over quarter. 
and First Majestic also offering their guidance for 2024, which is a range of 21.1 to 23.5 million silver equivalent ounces, a bit lower than last year as we have had the Jarrett Canyon project offline, although Keith Newmeyer was on the show a couple of weeks ago and talked about how they are still aiming to get that restarted in 2025, should the gold price stay in the same range. That certainly would help matters, and we'll be hearing more about First Majestic on February 22nd when they release their fourth quarter earnings. So keep that on your calendar, and thank you again to First Majestic for getting out there and producing silver in a world where we're increasingly needing it. So with that said, going to wrap up for today, but hope you're doing well out there, and we will see you again tomorrow.